0: everyone, welcome to another episode of Fully Free with Ashley. I'm really excited tonight, I'm pretty sure I say that at the start of every episode, but tonight we're here with my great friend, Laura Emerson. She is a psychotherapist and a counselor, and she's going to introduce herself now and just tell us a little bit about her.
1: Hi, yeah, thanks Ashley, and thank you for having me. Um, My name is Laura. I am a psychotherapist, and I'm regulated under the um, College of Registered Psychotherapists of Ontario. And I have um, a private counseling practice in Oakville, Ontario, called Navigate Counseling Services.
0: Awesome. Thanks so much. And I didn't even introduce the start of this episode by telling you all a little bit about Laura and my history. So we go way back, way back. Um, Our brothers played hockey together. Laura's dad coached all of us actually hockey and then Laura and I also played hockey for many years together so we've been friends since the good old high school days and we lost touch for a few years but fate and online connection brought us back together and I'm super grateful that we've had the chance to reconnect and grow a lot closer and I'm also super proud of her for becoming a registered psychotherapist and helping people with their mental health daily. I think that's the most amazing thing ever. And today we're actually going to be talking about mental health and its uh, relationship to self-compassion, emotions, and also diving into core beliefs and what those really are and uh, just bringing some insight into those topics. So we're really looking forward to that. Okay, so Laura, what led you into counseling and what are your aspirations or what do you hope to achieve with uh, being a psychotherapist? Yeah, so I
1: actually started out as a teacher and I really just felt a bond with um, just children and adolescents, but actually through my work as a teacher, I started to just realize that there was a lot going on with kids behind the scenes, so things that I actually wanted to know more about you know about their families and about what was going on and what maybe had gone on when they were younger but really just topics that I couldn't fully explore um, and really investigate as a, as a classroom teacher um, there's there's so many you know curriculum expectations and things to cover within the classroom environment um, and, and I think that there is a bit of a limitation in that sense so I just really wanted to get to more of what was underneath um, the behaviors of the kids and um, even just kind of what, what really kind of motivates them and, and what leads to, you know, what kinds of emotional experiences they have. And then so from there, I, I actually had a, my own counselor and I would say that my work with my own counselor really inspired me towards the profession. Um, just having um, had work with her around some of my core beliefs and my issues and my history and just getting really to explore myself and and start to understand myself make sense of my story and my history started to really lead me down this path of self-discovery and towards wanting to also then be able to support people in the same way that my counselor supported me and so i just really started to explore mental health and really get more of an understanding of just the, the prevalence of, you know, challenges that surround mental health in our society right now. And as I did that, I just discovered, um, a master's program, which was, uh, so, um, I guess equipping and it really trained me towards, uh, just being able to do the work that now I, I get to, to do and that I, I'm just, I feel so privileged to be able to do. And so I did a master's in counseling psychology and it was through that program that I was able to start a career as a psychotherapist and to answer your other question um, I would say that I really just want to be able to connect with people and so as a psychotherapist I find that it's just a a wonderful way and and place for me to be able to do that um, where I get to actually provide a space for clients to be heard and to be known and to be seen. And so those are some of the things that my counselor provided for me. And so I just feel so grateful to now get the opportunity to do the same for my clients, um, a place where they can come and um, not only be heard, not only be seen, but then also be able to work towards um, the goals that they have and just get some strategies and tools to be able to manage certain challenges that they're facing. And so I just really take um I really just feel so privileged to be able to be that person in my clients' corner who support them and cheer for them and a safe place for them.
0: Thank you so much. That was actually so beautiful. <laughs> Seriously. And I just want to say like people are privileged to have you as their counselor too. Like they're really like not just because you're my great friend, like people are privileged to have such a caring, like warm-hearted, compassionate person in their corner. So Thank you for sharing that. And what you've, what you've created so far is just the beginning. I'm super excited to like partner with you for workshops and all the things that we have planned. Stay <laughs> tuned for that. Thank Ashley. Me too. <laughs> and I
1: appreciate your support and what you're doing through this platform to, bring, to shed light onto so many issues um, and just being able to bring your vulnerability to the table and just invite others to be able to come, in, come inside of that place with you and also feel that they're not alone.
0: Thank you. Yeah. I I really wanted to create this platform to create a space where people know that it's okay to not be okay to have things that you're working through to be open about it when you're ready to be open about it and to not be open if you're not ready, like everything in your own time. But again, yeah, I just wanted people to know that they're not alone. And so I'm really excited to talk more about a bunch of mental health topics on here because I have in the previous podcast geared more towards physical health topics after talking a bit about my eating disorder history, Mm -hmm. but I want to make more podcasts that are accessible for everyone to listen to for like internal work and self improvement Mm -hmm. or like mental health. So Mm -hmm. yeah, I'm really excited. Mm
1: -hmm. And I think people are really just looking for that information right now that people are really, you know, finding they're at a place. A lot of people where they can actually start to do some of that self discovery and, let themselves kind of become more inward-focused and and start to do some of the self-work around um, just growth.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I definitely agree. And I think with a society that's so, like, externally oriented in terms of, like, growth, like, what can I grow into to achieve something physical? Like, what can I buy? How can I have enough money to do that? How can I improve externally? But then there's so much work that we can do internally to, like, not just help us get the things externally that we want, but help us live the lives that we want and make the impact that we want. And just mm-hmm. going back to um, your purpose and why you went into counseling. Like I remember when we first started talking about it too, you said you wanted to make more of an impact, like your purpose, you need to feel fulfilled. Mm-hmm. And I think everyone is needing to, or seeking a fulfillment in their life, but it all begins with getting in touch with who you are internally and your values and working through things that maybe you haven't processed or et cetera.
1: Mm-hmm. mm-hmm.
0: Absolutely and when we can
1: really just sink into who we are right our, our authentic selves that's where we can really start to determine how we can best show up for others and how we can best show up even for our families and it's through kind of doing that internal work like you said that we can really understand how we can be the best for others.
0: Yeah and No, definitely. And I really think this ties great, like by accident, into our topic for today um, because we're really going to dive into starting with core beliefs. So I think, as we'll learn today and as we discuss more, that becoming aware and processing and uh, making connections between our core beliefs and how we live our lives can be really powerful for showing us when we're not living authentically and then helping us find what authentic means to us and how it means or what it looks like to be true to ourselves, to live in a way that is in alignment with what, what, what matters to us, what our values are and what's important. So can you just for a second introduce to us, like what are core beliefs for someone that doesn't know, like what does that even mean?
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so core beliefs are these really central ideas that we've adopted and they are beliefs that we have about ourselves, beliefs that we have about others and beliefs that we have about the world. And these beliefs are so central to the way that we kind of see the world. So as we engage with, you know, our surroundings on a daily basis, we often carry around these beliefs with us. And I often like to use the analogy of, of actually a pair of glasses. And it's almost as if a core belief, is like a pair of glasses and it is actually that through that lens through the lens of that belief that we start to make sense of our environment as we kind of engage we, we go through life we see certain experiences through the lenses of that belief and so as an example um, if my core belief was i am unlovable then i might kind of you know i might walk around i might go through life and I might engage in certain experiences. Let's say, for example, I, um, I'm in a relationship, right? Like let's say I'm in a romantic relationship and I, um, get broken up with. So the guy, um, breaks up with me, I might, might kind of leave that relationship and that's going to kind of reinforce this idea that I'm unlovable. And, um, and so then, you know that belief gets actually stronger because I've had experiences that now reinforce that belief
0: yes exactly and I think that's a great example because a lot of people can relate to getting broken up with or being hurt in a relationship at the end and having certain thoughts that come up that maybe you just don't even second-guess you just assume like that is the truth like I'm unlovable I am unworthy And this is one core belief it's not going to be the same for everyone but that's a pretty standard example that people can probably relate to even if they haven't experienced it themselves Mm -hmm. so just going off of that like when and how do our core beliefs develop like I know Mm -hmm. you said that they're very relevant in your everyday day-to-day processing of life but how do they develop yeah great question so
1: core beliefs develop more often than not as uh, as we are children Um, And as we're growing up, um, a lot of times our core beliefs are adopted when we go through really painful experiences, challenging experiences. And when I'm referring to core beliefs, really, I'm kind of, you know, in this regard, I'm talking more about like the negative or the unhelpful core beliefs. They often come out of painful experiences. Um, So a lot of people have experienced abuse from parents or caregivers, um, even Um, assaults uh, sexual assaults even as adolescents by uh, you know romantic partners and such and so it's a a lot of times it's out of some of these kinds of experiences as well as you know many other painful experiences where we start to then take on this belief system and so then again as we kind of carry on through life we bring this belief with us now these beliefs do you know they are often adopted when we're young and really I like to kind of talk about the fact that it's almost as if they come out of like a wound right a wounding so we experience this painful event and now we have this wound and and the reason we know we have this wound is because there's this belief that comes with it as we move forward we can also have core beliefs that come out of adulthood as well and so it's not it's not only when we're young but i find that when it comes to adulthood it's usually again when we've experienced very kind of stressful or traumatic periods and that's where these uh, beliefs
0: start to develop awesome thank you for just diving a bit deeper into that uh i think so many of us go day to day without even like bringing an awareness to how our core beliefs might be shaping our experience or our reality like daily and i know for myself in my yoga teacher training was when i first started like diving more into processing core beliefs or getting in touch with like our internal dialogue and mm. uh, which connects to, which connects directly to my core beliefs and some that came up for me were always like uh, i'm unworthy um my voice is not or i'm not heard i'm mm-hmm. unheard which were like two of the, two very common ones that came mm-hmm. up for me and just First, having the awareness of them and realizing, like, wow, like that shows up so often in my life, and then so many of the situations happen, and then I'll let those situations like reconfirm, like you said, like reinforce that mm-hmm. that must be the truth. Like, oh, mm-hmm. look, no one heard me again. Yeah. Um, you just keep repeating it. Yeah. So those are some examples of my personal uh, harm, like harmful core beliefs that have, I believe, have held me back in many scenarios. But what are some other like common core beliefs that are harmful? Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. And Ashley, I'm really glad you brought that, you know, that belief up the I'm unworthy because I will say that with the clients that I've encountered and just, you know, I know that this is a very common core belief. Um, but I've really just seen that come up time and time again, that we have this, you know, underlying strong rigid kind of belief that we are unworthy and you know, this is really coming up in our world, in our society. And I think when, I, when we really kind of dive into that a little bit, right, when we investigate it and kind of look into what, what maybe is behind that, you can think back to growing up as children and how a lot of times we, we actually are given affirmation and attention more often when we achieve something. And when we, you know, we've accomplished something, right? So we come home with a, you know, a, a high grade on a test or, you know, we score two goals in our hockey game yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you know, and so, and then we st- we get the affirmation, right? We get the applause from our parents or our caregivers, the people that are close to us. And so what what happens is we actually start to then connect that with our worth, Right. And it's, it's not as often that we get the attention and we get the affirmation for just being right for just solely not like not doing anything, but just being who we are and just existing. We rarely get just affirmation and just attention for that. And so we often start to connect our worthiness to what we do, right? Our, our worth is connected to our do. And what we really want to be able to connect is our worth to our be, right? That just being who we are is actually, like, we are worthy in that place. And that we do not need to actually do something to get worthy, to be worthy. We can't earn it. Um, but this idea has really just come, has become so strong with the people in our world, in our society. And so I think um, that kind of, you know, brought me on a bit of a tangent because I think it's just such an important... Um, peace and, and something that's just so worth talking about that um, it's really how we've, we've been reinforced you know where it, and then it, it, it kind of the d- the development of that belief comes from there um, and to, to kind of add on to what you were saying yeah there are several common core beliefs that many of us have and so another couple examples would be I'm unlovable like I mentioned there's also I find a lot of people have the people are not trustworthy, right? I find that a lot with clients who have been abused, who have been, you know, mistreated, who have been assaulted, who have experienced domestic violence and um, have just really been oppressed or exploited. And these people really start to believe that people are just not trustworthy. And so sometimes, as you can see, the, the, these core beliefs pertain to ourselves. But a lot of times they they also pertain to other people, and so they very much impact our interpersonal relationships because we start to go into relationships with that belief, right? If you start to think about going into a new, you know, whether it be a friendship or whether it be a romantic relationship with that belief that people aren't trustworthy, you know, think about what you start to do, right? How you start to act when you have this core underlying belief that this person is not someone that I can trust right? We start to guard ourselves, protect ourselves. We don't open up. And so you can really see the, you know, the potential consequences of this core belief in, in, the, in the form of a interpersonal relationship.
0: Yeah. And I don't think that was a tangent. I think that was a great answer. Um, just going into a relationship with the core belief that people you can't trust people you'll just have your a wall up all the time so like how do you ever develop like intimacy like sharing like trust like there's never a foundation to build anything off of so then i feel like after that it could spiral into shallow relationship after relationship because you're never opening up and giving trust to someone because you don't think that they can trust you either kind of mm. like a ongoing cycle right
1: right anyway i just and, yeah sorry and
0: about. and just to add on that you know, I will
1: just mention trauma as well, and that being such a significant factor, really, when it comes to some of these beliefs. Because, like I was mentioning, when someone has this belief that people can't be trusted, um, it, it's, it's sometimes because they, they actually still hold the effects of a relationship in which they were mistreated, in which they were maybe abused, assaulted and in their body that their body actually remembers the trauma and what it felt like to be mistreated. And so it's especially hard for, for, for those of us in those situations where it's, it feels so true to us that we cannot trust and that there's this like, you know, this massive fear and you know, that fear is there for a valid reason because someone was mistreated. They were not just mistreated. They were, you know, abused they were treated as if they were not human and so of course it makes sense for us to be in positions where there, this fear is so so great and the belief is so strong and so there's a really there's a lot of work you know that we can do for for those of us who are in those situations and, and come from that kind of history and have that core belief that there's a lot of work that we can do it's not just as easy as kind of Throwing away the core belief, and um, mm-hmm. and, and you know, and, and and or willing your way through it, mm-hmm. and telling yourself, you know, no, I should trust them, but there's more work that we need to do around that. And so, I really encourage people in those situations who those situations who've experienced trauma and these really painful relationships to seek support. You know, whether that be through counseling or, um, you know, yeah, you know, uh, other kinds of therapy, whether that be group therapy, but just forms of support where they're able to really work through that and have the guidance from, from someone who can support them in that way.
0: Yeah, I think that's crucial to just um, recommend that people get support and not be afraid to, to reach out to get support, even if they don't think they need it or they think, yeah, people are just un- untrustworthy, like, I don't need help. Like, it's, it's getting really in touch with how you want your reality to be and how you want your relationships to be. And then, like we started with saying, doing the internal work And then realizing that maybe we need extra help to do the internal work to work through some of our experiences and Mm -hmm. talk about them and Mm -hmm. explore how they're impacting us now and how they're limiting our relationships can be so powerful even though it's so scary at the same time Mm -hmm. and then just tying back to what you started with before you talked about the core belief in relationships Mm -hmm. I'm just getting affirmations and like getting our worthiness from being like told that we're worthy I think that relates that like that just brought up something for me like after I stopped playing my competitive sports like hockey and soccer like a lot of my affirmations were like I really love when people were like yeah like you hustle so hard you're so like the I loved that like that really filled me up and made me feel worthy so I didn't know where to find my worthiness at all after I was like oh I'm not getting like Mm -hmm. yeah any sort of external feedback um and actually like I don't care to share I'm very open about this stuff yeah but I think after that it turned into like me putting more emphasis on like thinking I could get that affirmations for how my body looked Mm. so like controlling food more um maybe maybe taking more like flaunty pictures which started in high school Mm -hmm. like that all that kind of stuff is like another way to get affirmations because I didn't have a strong foundation of core belief that I am worthy on my own Mm. like without someone else telling me yeah so you start to do
1: anything you can to seek that affirmation and seek that Approval out. And so it only makes sense that, like, kind of growing up in that environment where that's where you get it, right? As an athlete, that's kind of like your key arena, right? For being able to feel this worthiness. And there's nothing like it, right? When you have people cheering you on and and you've just done something out there, and oh, and it it gives you that, you know, that rush, and then you get the cheers, and there's so much to that. Um, but yeah you're right I mean there's such a challenge then when you come out of that place and you are left with this oh I guess I'm not worthy like I'm no longer getting those comments I'm no longer doing those things and if I'm not doing those things then you know I'm, un- I'm not worthy
0: mm-hmm. or like what am I really doing like but at that time there wasn't that awareness so it was just like an underlying thing that propelled me into doing something else to get that an attention in another way yeah um so I just think like so this is basically me everyone this is me doing some of my internal work explanation on video I'm <laughs> uh, no, not video on this podcast but like I think it's powerful over and over again no matter how many times I do it because I have little realizations every time I talk about yeah. it I'm like oh like that there's a light bulb right there right. like yeah. that makes sense like all that you connect stuff the dots yeah you
1: kind of keep talking about it Mm -hmm. and that's why these conversations are just you know so important for us to keep having yes
0: love it okay so then we are basically just already talked about some of this but what do you think are like some of the consequences of some of the other harmful core beliefs like harmful yeah core beliefs either whether they're short-term or long-term like how else can these consequences show up in people's lives Mm
1: -hmm. yeah it's a great question and I think it's helpful for us to to look at that so that we can start kind of looking inwardly and, and kind of determining what, what what are the consequences of having these beliefs hang around, right? So when it comes to interpersonal-related uh, interpersonal core beliefs, so that would be beliefs that we hold um, about other people. So the example that we had mentioned was people can't be trusted, right? Also, sometimes people, you know, will say, um, the world is dangerous or people are dangerous. Um, and so what often happens as consequences is people really struggle with trusting people, right? So that's one example. Um, a lot of people have feelings of inadequacy when it comes to relationships, like we've kind of, uh, talked a little bit about, um, people also find themselves having excessive jealousy in relationships. Um, also, Just being overly confrontational or aggressive that can also be a consequence Um, just kind of you always working to kind of protect yourself and so we often have these like defenses that come up and then we become aggressive so those would be more so around the interpersonal type problems and Mm -hmm. again stemming from those beliefs around people And then on the other side of things you know there can be mental health problems that come up and and so some consequences of these beliefs you know could be you know anxiety we can have we can deal with depression a lot of us will then go you know start to use substances so we see substance abuse also a challenge handling stress right Uh, depending on you know that belief we you know this there's constant stress coming up right because if you think about someone who's Um, who thinks they're inadequate or they're not worthy all they're trying to do on a daily basis is hustle like you've mentioned right giving the example you provided about you know being an athlete and so carrying that through into like adulthood right you're not an athlete anymore and you're you know you're going through life let's say and you're just trying to hustle all the time to get approval well the thing is is at the end of the day we always come to the realization that well nothing like we can never be perfect Mm -hmm. and We'll probably never get the, you know, uh, optimal amount of approval or affirmation that we would be looking for. Right. So then we start to experience stress and, you know, the stress of hustling, the stress of trying to get approval. And so then we start to deal with, you know, burnout Mm -hmm. and, and, and just trying to manage that stress and then we also see low self-esteem, right? So these are these are some examples of of issues that can come out of these uh, core beliefs.
0: Thank you. Yeah. And those are really powerful and there's so many potential like outcomes in relationships or personal lives or personal choices based on just letting what n- not letting, but like allowing without the confrontation or like the commitment to re- like trying to understand how these core beliefs have developed and how they're affecting our lives like if we were just blind and just let them do run their course then our lives could be completely different than if we really committed to doing the work and it doesn't mean you have to know exactly what your core belief is right now you might have no idea and be listening to this podcast and be like well like this is my first time listening I don't know where to start and that's okay but it's just like committing to starting to do the work and uh, process some of the things that are harder to process maybe. And again, seeking help if, if you think that can help you on your journey. I think that can be really powerful mm. to change the outcomes because we do have the power to live our lives and create our lives in a way that is fulfilling for us and and, and make it a positive experience even if we've come through some really hard times.
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and you know what's so great about core beliefs is it will just to be able to shed some light onto this that they can be pretty rigid and and they can be pretty challenging to kind of change or reframe but they still can be adjusted and and we can do things about it or we can um really just grow in self-compassion around them being there and i know that that's something we might kind of go into talking about about as well it's
0: perfect timing (laughs) um so is there any like ways you would say you could start to change your core beliefs like so now you've become aware of them so like for instance we can use me as an example so like some that I became aware of are like I'm unworthy no like my voice doesn't matter we'll just start with those Mm. ones like so what like what are some ways that you would suggest that people start to try to like maybe recognize them more in their daily life or Mm -hmm. reshape Mm -hmm. them Mm -hmm.
1: yeah I think that the first thing really kind of as you've started to mention is just becoming aware of what they are I think that can be a bit of a challenge right off the bat for some of us who haven't done some of the internal work, right? Who maybe haven't spent time working with someone and, and unpacking some of their history and their story and some of the wounds that they've, they've had. Um, so it's really just starting to become aware of, of, of them. And, you know, are, am I, am I living from a place of, um, just beliefs that are not, entirely accurate or truthful. And like, like we've mentioned, you you can kind of note if you can notice some of those, uh, the effects, right? Like, you know, anxiety, depression, um, challenges, trusting people, managing stress, uh, you can start to kind of know that there there's, there's a belief, you know, in there. And, um, yeah. So I think it's, it really just kind of starts with becoming aware and, in terms of like the work of like, you know, what do I do, you know, about this? It's it's an interesting question. I one of I would say my clients favorite questions mm-hmm. is once we've come up, we've we've uncovered kind of what the core belief is and what's been there for them and, and really kind of what wound was there that this belief kind of came out of. The question I get is, OK, great. So we know what it is. So what do we do, though? right like what do we do Laura like now I have to live with this belief that I don't want and now I know it and now I know (laughs) it so like what do we do about that right and so you know and even for me personally I had to kind of come to a point of learning this and, and understanding that this core belief that we have it's actually it's actually become a part of us it's actually it is a part that we have it is not it doesn't define us it is not you know, who we are, it is not our true self. However, it is a part that has been there. And oftentimes it's been there for a very long time. And so it's actually kind of a reframing of how we look at that belief, right? It's, it's when we have the awareness and when we know it exists and we know what it is, what it feels like, what are the consequences of it? We can start to notice it and we can start to pay attention to its existence. And when we can do that, when we can start to see it come up, you know, when we can actually see it become activated, right? Mm-hmm. When you start to do this work, you actually start to, like, notice it, right? And, like, you can feel, oh, yeah, yeah. I'm feeling the, you know, I'm unworthy. You know, I don't there know if you've had is. that experience yeah. You, know, you can start to yeah. really see it. And and so once you have, once you can notice that that belief being activated, you can actually, you're, you can make the decision to not let it, you know, take over, mm-hmm. right? To not let it, you know be in charge not to to drive your bus and be the leader of your decisions or the leader of you and how you be in those moments but you can notice it's there mm-hmm. and and almost ask it to give you some space right mm-hmm. if for you know it exists but it's almost just kind of like first being able to challenge it a little bit and, and say but is this really true i was right? just like, gonna say it yes yeah, yeah. yeah. Keep working. yeah no please like just yeah it, it, that just knowing that this is this is actually not true and so some of the work around that is is finding out you know what is true mm. right and so sometimes that's a bit of a journey in and of itself yeah. is you know what is true what is true about myself and so sometimes we really benefit from from working with people like counselors therapists you know social workers because We can that they can help us to start to kind of like unpack that and Mm -hmm. and start to really figure out what is the truth Mm -hmm. what is the truth about me and like what you know what is worthiness like what how do we define this and start to look a little bit at that because some of us like our thinking around this has been quite um warped you know Mm -hmm. in a way where you know like we mentioned those experiences that were so painful to us can often cause us to just really have a struggle, have a hard time even finding what is true. Once we do that work, once we start to uncover that truth, we can start to notice the activated belief and then bring it, bring the truth in. Mm-hmm. Right? So like it's talking like, back
0: to the activated yeah, belief when it comes up. I think that's exactly. so powerful. Yeah. And just like you said it perfectly, you already read my mind because I was literally going to say like the core belief is so strong because it's been there for so long that it feels like the truth, but it's not real. It's like an illusion. Like, the truth is usually the complete opposite of that. But then oftentimes we may even put ourselves in situations or I almost want to say self-sabotage sometimes. And then, like you said, that reinforces the belief. So, like, I'll give an example. Like, mine was, one of my main ones is my voice doesn't matter. So I really had to work hard with that one throughout my yoga teacher training because... My voice doesn't matter. Like, then why am I standing up in front of a group of 60 people and teaching them yoga? Like, why would they yes. want to listen to me? And why would I be good enough compared to all the other teachers that are way better? Like that yeah. came up multiple times. That still comes up for me in like group teacher meetings and stuff. Mm-hmm. And I like stutter, or I hesitate, and I don't show up as powerfully as I know I can because that mm-hmm. core belief is still I feel it activated. And even though I can it's I can acknowledge time, yeah. it, it's it's still it's still a work in progress. So I just think. Yeah that it it is and
1: and, you know Ashley I really appreciate you saying that it's a work in progress and I think that that's actually if there's anything that I can really encourage um of of people who are starting to do some of this work around you know the the self work Mm. and, and these internal parts right starting to understand and recognize those it's it's understanding that it is a process you know and I know for me um as someone who stepped into my first counseling session quite a few years ago and thinking that we got to solve all the problems <laughs> right now right now <laughs> and you know we got to fix me because we got a lot of shit you know going on yeah. and we got to we got to like figure this out mm-hmm. right you come in with these urgencies and I think a lot of us right our our question is always so what do I do though mm-hmm. right like so okay so what I have next? this problem but like okay what yeah what's mm-hmm. next and so I think it's so great just to know that this work that we do with the internal parts of us, they, they, it is, it is a process, you know, Mm -hmm. and it is, it is us kind of committing for the long haul. It is not a matter of us just saying you know i do this one thing right mm-hmm. it's not a matter of you know i go to the doctor mm-hmm. and you know i i have an infection and the doctor prescribes me this prescription medication and i go and pick that up and you know i just take them for seven days and you know they're they're all go and it's gone mm-hmm. and my infection is is over um it's it's not so much as looking and conceptualizing these our, ourselves that way mm-hmm. right we are humans and we have been we have just been through so much, and we all have our different stories, but we take with us the wounds, uh, you know, with us, and we take these beliefs that have stemmed from these experiences, and those parts of us are actually there. They, Those parts, that belief, it's there because it thinks, like that part literally thinks it's trying to help us, mm-hmm. right? It thinks that there's like value in its presence and that it needs to be heard and that, you know, that if you are able to, you know, Do things really well and get the affirmation. Then there's like this, you know, you're successful, and so it it kind of like it makes sense that we have some of these things. And so what we really want to be able to do is give ourselves the time, and the space, and try to really limit our judgment Mm -hmm. as we move forward and
0: as we look at these parts of us. And that is like the most perfect bridge way. (laughs) Like I feel like Mm -hmm. we perfectly did this, but it was totally not on purpose. just going into like how do we have compassion for ourselves while we're doing this work like yes it takes time yes we have to commit to it yes there will be ups and downs and there will be the awareness and then we'll want to like numb out from the awareness and not want anything to do with it all of this process Mm -hmm. how do we have self-compassion throughout this entire process like throughout Mm -hmm. our lives when it keeps coming up like 10 years after we started the work like Mm -hmm. yes yes that happens right we we
1: commit so much time to our um, I guess, our learning and growing in self-awareness. And then we find ourselves sometimes years later still struggling with those things, right? Finding those core beliefs pop up again and again. Mm-hmm. And and it, again, it's, it's also so important just to know that they're going to be there and, and it makes sense that they're there. So I love that question just around self-compassion. So how can we start to move towards self-compassion, right? And I think really what that looks like is us starting to be aware of the judgment the, the self-judgment, right? Because we, you know, I would say that the the most common issue that I find, you know, that is really consistent among every client I see is the judgment, right? And I, I include myself within that as well. I yeah. know different. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that we just as humans, when we see something, when we spot something, we are the judges, mm-hmm. right? We from a very young age have learned to be critical right and we have we all have this like inner critic and so that inner critic just immediately spots that thing that we don't that we see as unhelpful or Mm -hmm. we see that's you know we we deem as negative right and so then we we judge it we say you know why are you here you shouldn't be here you shouldn't you know I shouldn't feel this way you shouldn't have this belief it's not true and we do a whole lot of shoulding on ourselves yeah literally literally (laughs) a lot of it yeah (laughs) Um, And so what we want to, we want to just start to, to start to notice those moments where we're critical and just move away, right? Mm. Just like gently bring our attention to a, a place of just noticing without judging, Mm -hmm. right? And this is where, this is where we really get into like mindfulness, right? This idea of noticing what's there, noticing these parts of us, noticing these beliefs that are not very helpful and being able to do so without, with acceptance, Mm -hmm. right? And with almost just like this, as if you are an observer. I was just going to say that.
0: Yeah. Reading Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. The The observer behind all the clutter. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah.
1: I like that. I like that a lot. So, yeah, because it's like, we want to almost like visualize we are taking off the judge's hat, right? We are not a judge because we, we often take that role right where we it's like we're at the we're in the courtroom and we are sitting as the judge with the hammer Mm -hmm. and so we want to be able to move into like a spectator right like a person in the audience who's just watching Mm -hmm. right rather than making opinions um and trying to you know take mean make meaning from what we're noticing Mm -hmm. but just noticing it and it's so interesting because our growth you know our our Moving and changing towards more of kind of a, our authentic selves, it really comes out of compassion, not out of criticism, mm-hmm. right? Um, and so I think that that's just so important to really highlight, right? We cannot grow out of criticism. Our growth actually is, comes out of compassion, and so if we can just first start to get get that, I would say that that would be the very biggest first thing. step. Yes, yeah. the very first step is starting to learn. To, to do the this self, this self-compassion work as we engage with ourselves and as we move into this, like,
0: self-discovery mode. Yeah, because even if you think about, like, the power of the core belief, like, let's say you finally become aware of one, like you've been doing some work, but then all you do is respond negatively. Like, let the, my core, I'll just use my example again. It's so easy for me to talk in examples. Like, okay, my voice doesn't matter. So then I realize that comes up for me, and then I go – oh, you're stupid. Your voice does matter. Like, that doesn't help. Like, it's just being negative. And yeah, I recognize the core belief, but I'm not really going to grow anywhere or change anything or Mm -hmm. show up differently if I'm talking to myself negatively instead of just observing it and feeling it and being okay with it and recognizing how if I let that core belief determine my next decisions or my actions, how that could lead me somewhere that I don't really want to go. And then mm. instead, how can I try to tap into the truth? And mm. that begins yes. with like having the patience and the slowing down and the self-compassion.
1: Yes, yeah. yes. I love the way you put that. And and you're right. It, it, you know, I love that example that you you notice it and then it's like, oh, shit, what are you doing? Like, <laughs> yeah. you know, you, oh, you should never, you know, and then what do you feel, right? Yeah. You, you, do you feel any better from, no. from <laughs> then judging yourself? I mean, no. Yeah. So being able to, yeah, just kind of, step away from that judgmental lens that we that we tend to, like, kind of look through and see things through.
0: Yeah, perfect. And then that, like, goes directly in hand with how we were just going to touch on, like, the same way we judge our core beliefs, we tend to judge our emotions. Mm-hmm. So, like, we've grown up from a young age, I'd say, labeling certain emotions as good versus bad. Like, you want to say, like, joyful, happiness, excitement, like, you might label those good. Like, anger, sadness, you might label bad. And it's kind of like a consensus that we all just kind of pick up on yes. our kids. And then as we grow up, we label it as bad. So, like, if we're feeling maybe sad about something, it's like then we judge ourselves for feeling sad. So just the yeah. same way we have the core beliefs, judgments, we also judge our feelings. So yes, how do you think as a society we've perpetuated this idea that some emotions are good and bad?
1: Yeah, <laughs> that's an g- amazing question. I love these questions.
0: <laughs> Me too. So, <laughs> <laughs> um,
1: because they're so important. Yeah. So I just get, like, really excited, excited too. hearing them. yeah <laughs> yeah you know it's, cra- it's so interesting and I love that whole like l- the labeling we do of emotions right it's it's okay even just that whole like phrase I feel bad you know it, it's there's no it's not even an emotion it's just bad mm-hmm. and we we all know what that means yeah. right? we all know that if, if you're feeling bad you're <laughs> not happy right <laughs> or and, yeah right and if you're if you're feeling bad it's probably sad mm-hmm. you know or angry or you know And so we've really started to uh, differentiate emotions and and labeling them, you're right. Like, you know, these emotions are good and those are bad. And so, of course, if we label things that way, we're going to see them in that light when Mm -hmm. they start to show their faces and when we start to notice them inside of ourselves or even inside of others, right? Even if you think about parents, right? They, They start to see their child who's really, you know, dysregulated, who's angry, who's sad. And, you know, then what happens? The parent also starts to you know, experience some of those kinds of feelings and starts to judge the child for having those feelings. You know, you shouldn't feel that way. Right. We start to do a lot of shitting on other people as well. And so, um, we really want to start to just emotions are emotions, right? We all, we all, we almost want to have to, we have to kind of like unlearn, do you Mm, know what I mean? Like unlearn some of these things and start to notice that actually those emotions that we've started we've deemed as bad emotions right or wrong or negative you know and and I have to say I'm 100 percent someone who who used to view them that way yeah you know not that long ago mm-hmm. I saw those emotions as you know negative and we got to like push those out of the way we do don't do everything feel to keep busy to avoid them yeah. yeah so you know I'm the first one to know that that's you know that's a tough kind of unlearning to do mm-hmm. but just doing some of that work so just starting to see just emotions as emotions and and actually those emotions like I said that we were we really deemed as bad or wrong you know like you're mentioning anger sadness maybe even guilt Mm -hmm. jealousy it's so interesting because those emotions are so natural and so healthy and they actually have a very important role Mm -hmm. so all emotions have a function right and they have a role and really what i like to say is that we can view emotions as if they're signals right Um, i like to sometimes explain them as notifications right Mm -hmm. if you think about you know a smartphone and how when we get a message that comes up on our phone kind of on that home screen we just see this notification that comes up right and we want to start noticing that they, they're actually there to tell us something, right? There is a reason why that, that emotion has, has come up. Mm-hmm. And so when we view it from more of a curious, you know, side of things, so right when we approach it with curiosity as if it is like a message on our, you know, a notification that came up on our phone, where we, we have to, like, open it up, right? Mm-hmm. We have to open the message. We have to, like, unlock the phone. You know, I know for me I have a password, so, you know, I'm, you know, I'm really getting into this analogy. Um, That's but okay. you, I love you it. have to open your <laughs> phone, and you have to, like, take a moment to, like, take it in, read it. Like, what does it say? And mm-hmm. so we want to do the same thing with our emotion, right? Rather than just saying it has to be, you know, labeling it as, as something, mm-hmm. making an opinion about what it is, But noticing that, oh, this is actually here for a reason. And it is actually when we feel those emotions, when we allow those emotions to come in and we invite them in um, without letting them, you know, without becoming over-identified with them Mm -hmm. or without letting them take over, right? Because we obviously, we're going to have a balance here. We're not trying to um, let them run Mm -hmm. us or be the leaders of our life. Just like we don't want our core beliefs to like be the leaders of our lives or be the, the drivers of our bus. We can just start to let them come in though invite them in a little bit with curiosity right taking that judge's hat off um, removing that judge's hammer and just seeing them as emotions Mm -hmm. rather than as good or as bad
0: yeah and I think that is equally as powerful to what we're talking about with core beliefs because we have emotions every day not only with like not only in regards to our connections with other people, like and, like something might come up for us or whether it's something with ourselves, with our learning that we're doing anything. Like there's so many things that can come up. And emotions, I think for myself, I know for a fact I labeled like anger as bad. So like it doesn't mean that now that I'm opening myself up to feeling anger that I'm going to be outwardly angry with everyone and like mm. aggressively angry. But I think it would have been powerfully, powerful for me when I was younger to have been taught a little bit about how to feel feel anger and be okay with communicating it in, in, in a healthy way because yeah. I think I've realized personally that when I'm angry and I and I would I would like to talk about it I honestly don't even know where to begin because mm-hmm. I'm just so used to like shunning the anger like no you shouldn't be angry like avoid yeah. conflict at all costs no Should anger bye 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 no like so that can just tie into like how can we help our children and our youth or even adults like if, they, if they're learning this too but like starting at the young malleable age of little, little young <laughs> yeah. ones, like how do we help them learn about the power of all the whole spectrum of the emotions and how it's okay mm-hmm. to feel them all and talking about mm-hmm. all that.
1: Mm-hmm. I like that, the great question. Yeah. And really, I think it starts with, with the acceptance work, right? So as a, as a parent or as a caring, a caregiver, as a teacher, as you know, a therapist, people who are working with children, we can start to draw out those feelings, right? And so I love Dan Siegel's line. He, he has this phrase and he says, N- you know, name it to tame it, mm-hmm. right? And so I, even just starting from there, being able to start to draw out emotions by starting to put names to them, put, lang- put words to them that are not, the, the words that we were talking about right bad good mm-hmm. negative positive mm-hmm. right not nothing that has like a judgment attached mm-hmm. to it just sad mm-hmm. that is you know that's the word that describes that and so starting to teach them and develop this emotional intelligence helping them to develop this emotional intelligence so that as they move forward they're not starting they're not you know going down this path of, of self-judgment or, around their emotional health um or around their emotions, but being able to to become more emotionally healthy by accepting those emotions as they come up. Mm -hmm. So really just letting them drawing those out and and as the caregiver showing acceptance of when a child feels those emotions as a parent, as a caregiver, as a teacher, accepting that they're feeling that way rather trying to rather than trying to change Mm -hmm. it.
0: Validating them. That's
1: right. Because Mm -hmm. think about it, this is what we do. When a child feels sad, when they feel angry what Don't we be try sad. To do. Don't be. Yeah, that's right, <laughs> yeah, right. I still do it. Right. Yeah. You know, be happy. Yeah. Right. So we're we're already putting this expectation on them that yeah. that feeling is not okay. This is more we unlearning
0: should, we have to do. Yeah.
1: <laughs> right. And so there's kind of a lot there that we could probably talk about for hours. Yeah. <laughs> but but that's I think where it really where the the power is and I think you're right is starting from that young age mm-hmm. starting to kind of do things differently now with our young young you know ch- children Youngins. Out there. Youngins. yeah
0: <laughs> yeah and even like I think I, I love that name it to tame it and then also like helping them bring awareness to how it feels in their body like when you feel sad like where do you feel it like yeah, duh, like love that when I feel sad like sometimes feels like there's a weight on my chest like that's just an example but yeah I, like giving them the space to like say how it feels and be able to label how it feels in their body so they can have a connection to their bodily experience mm-hmm. when they experience emotions and then as we keep going like knowing that it's okay to feel sad like stay with it feel that for a bit like what is coming up for you like holding the space instead of trying to oh here's a lollipop feel better it's yeah, fine yes. like all of that yes. like covering up distraction yeah
1: right? oh you don't know, just look over here you mm-hmm. know and uh, isn't this interesting what's that yeah yeah yeah, yeah. and it's so interesting because then when you think about it when these kids start to feel those other feelings that where we've deemed them these good you know feelings which again we're trying to kind of eliminate that but those feelings like happiness what do we do well we start to celebrate that right so we start to affirm those mm-hmm. like happy feelings and we're like "Woo,
0: yeah, yeah. Like,
1: and and yet we do very we, we respond very differently with those other feelings mm-hmm. we, we've kind of put them out in this box of like let's avoid them and um
0: what let's can we do to make them. you feel the opposite That's right. yeah all yeah. that uh Amazing. Okay. Well, we've actually been talking for 50, 52 minutes. Wow. Yeah. And I think we could keep going, but I think <laughs> we've got a lot in for today. And yeah. I just want to say thank you so much for this lovely chat. I mean, we talk about all this stuff in our spare time anyway. So like yeah, we figured we, we need do. to do a podcast so maybe other people can tune in and hear some of what we like to talk about.
1: Yeah. No, and it's so great that we have this, uh, this space to be able to, to talk about these things that are just so important and so meaningful in our world.
0: Yes, I agree. Well, thank you so much. This was amazing. Thank you for having me, Ashley. Yay. And it's
1: been a really nice time. <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay. Thanks everyone for listening. That's it for tonight. I'm super grateful for Laura and all her support on my podcast and everything that I'm up to in my life. I feel very fortunate to have such a wonderful friend. And If you're interested in reaching out to her or looking her up, I will include her her, um, Instagram handle and her website for her counseling services below this podcast. And in the next coming weeks, I also have a few exciting other guests on the podcast, so stay tuned for those topics. I won't release them right now, but they're very exciting. Uh, And we are filming recording this podcast during... Coronavirus or COVID 19. So, I just wanted to extend uh, my love and support for everyone out there who's struggling, whether it be mentally, physically, financially, or going through anything like that. I'm thinking of you all, and I can't wait for you to tune in next week. Thank you so much.